Alright, alright. Welcome back to another edition of the Drop Pass Podcast. And as you can tell from the title, we will have another guest on the show this week. And right from the get-go, it has to be said that this interview was planned out way before he was suspended. So this is nothing but a coincidence on my part and has nothing to do with the incident itself. Nevertheless, though, the following 15 minutes is dedicated to his story. And after the interview, I will finally announce my NHL trophy predictions, just as I promised in the last week's episode. And before we kick off the interview, I would ask you to go check out the social media pages, which are mentioned in the episode description and press the follow button on the platform you're currently using in order to show your support for the circus and so that you don't happen to miss any new episodes in the future. I already thank you in advance, but now though, the intro music is starting to play in the background, which means that it is time to officially kick off the episode. So, without further ado, let's get going. Once again, it is my pleasure to introduce another guest to the show, who in fact happens to be another good old Canadian boy, whose career has seen its ups and downs, but currently the graph is upwards trending, so let's hope that it stays that way. This undrafted two-way blue liner really broke out during the 2017-2018 season with the Swift Current Broncos in the Western Hockey League, before starting his jungle journey with the Binghamton Devils. After a few seasons in the coast and the A, he wanted to try his luck with Nordic Babes and was headed to Alsvenskan where he recorded 40 points in 49 games for Vita Hesten and finished the season as the fifth most productive blue liner in the league. This year though, he headed across the Gulf of Finland and found his new home from Kuopio, Finland, where he has impressed with his offensive talents in the early season. This humble professional has hoisted the Ed Chinuet Cup been in the battles of the Memorial Cup, and now gets to enjoy the never-ending darkness of Winery, Finland. This guy loves his mustard, and some sources even say that he still owes few dinners to Alexi Heponiemi, Glenn Gaudan, and Thaler Steenbergen for his 2018 point total, but we have to verify that lead during the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to welcome our next guest to the show, from Edmonton, Alberta, number two. Colby Seasons. How are you doing, bud? Good. I'm doing really good. Uh, thanks for the intro. That was good. It's great to have you on. How have you settled to your new home? Uh, it's been good so far. Um, obviously, a couple months in now here, so should be settled by now. But things have been really good. City's been nice. Teammates are really good. So that's kind of half the battle when you come over here to Europe. So if you got good teammates, everything else is, is pretty easy. Good to hear. Any major culture shocks? Not too bad, I don't think. I think for the most part, hockey's hockey at the end of the day, no matter where you're playing. So, like I said, as long as you got a good group of buddies, things things are pretty good. So, nothing nothing too bad so far. Let's start right from the beginning. What are your first memories related to hockey, and how did you eventually end up in Swift Current? First memories, I guess, would be um, kind of. I actually hated it off the start. When I first started skating, I remember my dad would always tell me I would go home crying all the time. Um, So luckily they kept taking me back for some reason. 
yeah, I grew up in a small town, so I guess kind of that small town hockey culture. Um, I actually played ringette for the first two years of my career, I guess you could say. So I know ringette's a big thing in Finland. Um, Canada and Finland usually go head to head in that. So, but I played ringette for the first two years. Um, wasn't a hockey player yet, and then finally made the switch. Um, luckily, and then kind of played my years throughout, and ended up in Swift Current for for three years, which was nothing but a blast. Have you always played defense? Uh, no. Um, was a forward when I was young for the most part until maybe when I was 11 or 12. I kind of switched to D, but then also being in a small town, we didn't have like full rosters. So if we were down a goal or whatever, kind of I would play forward or sometimes play forward and D within games. I actually played the last like five games of my draft year in Bantam was I was a forward so for some reason they wanted to try me there and it actually went really well um coach tried to convince me to play forward from then on out um but Swift Current just invited me as a D-man so I chose D <laughs> never goalie though no heck no just once I think and I I think because when you're younger you have to there's always like a goal limit if you score a certain amount of goals then you can't score anymore And one tournament, they just decided to put me in goalie after I was at my goal limit. And then I think the story I've always been told or remember is we they ended up tying the game. And then they in the third period, they they didn't let me be goalie anymore. So then I played. Great punishment. Um, since we haven't had any CHL reps on the show before, could you tell us how does the whole draft process go in the Canadian Junior Leagues? Um, Well, in the WHL, it's a pretty broad um, area to pick from. So they can draft from British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan, um, as well as players from the U.S. So, Is it always aerial? Uh, yeah. So it depends. So I'll, I think – I'm not sure how it works from the, the U.S. I think you can draft from anywhere. But as far as WHL, it has to be from those certain provinces. And then the OHL is obviously just Ontario and then – The queue is kind of maritimes and all that side. But for the WHL, it's when you're 14 years old is your draft year. So um, your second year of Bantam is when the draft is, and then you can't eligibly play until you're 16. So didn't get drafted when I was 14. Ended up only getting one Western League invite to Swift Current. Went there, ended up getting listed out of camp, which is like a 50-man protected list where they can have 50 players under contract, so to speak. Um, ended up making that, and then within um, a couple years after that, I was I was playing on the team. So, kind of happened all relatively pretty quick. I think when I got drafted, I was five seven, a hundred and forty five pounds, and then when I within like the next year, I was five eleven already. So I kind of had a growth spurt. Kind of was growing into my body. So that was kind of a big difference. Were you bummed out that the All Kings didn't draft you? Uh, no, because at the time I was actually still living in Lacombe, Alberta, which is outside of, just outside of Red Deer, um, where the Red Deer Rebels play actually. So I guess I could have been more bummed maybe that the Rebels didn't take me, but I didn't expect it to get drafted really at all. So, um, I wasn't on many people's radars. <laughs> And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's an import draft as well, or? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's also in the summer and each team can take a max of two players, but if you already have a European 
or an import on your roster, then you can only draft one. You're only allowed two on every team. So you're allowed two imports and three 20 year olds. So essentially those are, should be your best players or close to. So it's, it's pretty competitive once you get to be 20 for fighting for those spots. But yeah, the imports I had with it, with my time were awesome. Um, like you said, I played with Heponiemi for two years and he was, he was awesome. Um, great kid. And obviously what he does on the ice speaks for itself. So. For sure. Well, I already pumped your tires that wise, but how would you describe your game yourself? And has that changed since moving across the ocean? Um, I don't think it's changed too, too much. Um, I think for the most part, like you said, I, I like to take care of both sides of the puck. So two-way defender. Um, obviously I lean a little bit towards the offensive side just because that's what I like to think I'm good at, but I like to, um, be reliable. I've always said a captain I had when I was younger always said that you want to be the guy that can be out there in the last minute to save a goal or to score it. So that's kind of always what I've prided myself in kind of want to be at the ice on the ice all the time, whether it's to save a goal or score a goal. So I would say at the end of the day, good skating, puck moving defensive defenseman that um, likes to chip in offensively. Who would you compare your game to if you had to choose one player or a mix? Have you thought of that? Um, it's tough. Yeah, early on in my days, it was always kind of the best defenseman at the time. So kind of when I was coming up, it was Drew Doughty. But mm-hmm. now looking back at it, I don't play anything like Drew Doughty. Um, I've kind of went to the side of Oliver Ekman Larson, kind of a taller, skinnier guy, I guess, that has a pretty good shot and kind of has done pretty well over the years, but I've always, it's pretty hard to compare yourself to an NHLer. So I like to say I'm my own version, but um, take, take parts of everyone's game. So I don't know. Yeah. You spent the three full seasons in Swift Current. So how was that journey like and what did that experience give you? It was awesome. Um, like I said, I grew up in a small town. So for me, Swift Current was kind of right in my wheelhouse as far as lifestyle. A lot of people kind of stay away from Swift Current or are scared to go there because it's a small market and not many people are not a very big organization. But as far as the city and everything, it was awesome. My time there was was amazing and it'll always have a special place in my heart. But I would say my first year was was kind of like any rookie season to a to a degree. Um, I played every single game what one. I only got healthy scratch for one, but kind of fought to earn my ice time the whole year kind of definitely the first time of experiencing quote-unquote professional hockey and coaches and how it's a business and kind of you got to be at your best every night, all that. So as far as growing up, it was kind of where I grew up, learned a lot of stuff being away from home at 17 years old, living with a different family. So you live with a billet family. So they had two kids and that was amazing. Obviously kind of coming home, playing with the kids or whatnot kind of can take your mind off the game. But the parents were awesome as well. Kind of when you're, like I said, when you're moving away from home, it's a it's a big part of it. If you kind of get stuck with a, a family that you're not comfortable with or things like that, then it can make life away from the rink tough also. So if you kind of are struggling on the ice and things aren't good with your billet family, it can kind of seem like you have no escape. So got to thank my billet family too. But um, it was really good. Like I said, I signed an NHL contract coming from there. I won a Western League championship made lifelong friends. So it was really good my time there. So nothing bad to say. Yeah, uh no, I would say no. Maybe a couple more restaurants would be nice, but um it was pretty good. What are the sides of Swift's current? Um hmm, that is a great question. 
I would say, I guess maybe one of the biggest things is a little outside where they have the, the Humboldt bus crash, um, but they have Swift Current Broncos had a bus crash back in the day um, where four four members died and they have kind of a big memorial for that um, just off the highway outside of Swift Current. So that's kind of a big, not tourist attraction, but like a big, big thing that people want to stop at and look at. So I guess that's kind of the big thing I look for, or I guess that's the big thing I can think of about Swift Current. But as far as sites, there, there's not too many. There's three or four roads that go right, that go straight through it. So um, maybe I'll say Tim Hortons. <laughs> okay. We digress. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, you took the WHL title during the 1718 campaign. And as you mentioned as well, and you got to play in the Memorial Cup. So first of all, could you tell our listeners what kind of event the Mem Cup is and how do you get to play in it? So Memorial Cup is a tournament, so to speak, at the end of the three CHL leagues where you have a host and the winner of each league. So you have the winner of the WHL, OHL, and the QMJHL, um, or the QMHL, QM. JHL. Yeah, however they say (laughs) it over there. (laughs) But um, so you have the host city, those three leagues, and essentially it's a round robin where you play every team once, then there's a semifinal and a final. So it's a pretty quick tournament where the WHL hasn't done too well over the years, or the past couple years at least, but it's it's a blast to play in. And a lot of people say it's one of the hardest trophies to win in, in junior sports in general, just because you have to win your own league and then going through a whole playoff run, you have to play more games after. So it was a great experience. Obviously, we like to do better, but it was really cool to be able to say I played in it. Well, one could say that there are certain similarities to the Frozen Four as well, but pretty different after all. Yeah, to a degree, to a degree, except like, I mean, for example, we play... 72 playoff or regular season games and then you have we played 26 playoff games so you're already at however many games 90 and now all of a sudden you got to play playoff hockey where it's win or lose so we we ended up we didn't win a game in our three round robin games and then we were done so um it's really tough where the host team it depends on the scenario but we we beat them in the first round of playoffs which was Regina um, they had 40-some days off, and then they ended up beating us the last game of the tournament to kick us out. So it's tough in that sense, but I don't think there's any right way to do the tournament. It's a really tough tournament to plan, and at the end of the day, you got to play good at the right time. So Exactly. Well, in addition to your league title, you got nominated to the league's second All-Star team during that season as well. So how would you summarize that year from your own point of view? Um. In a way, I think it was kind of a coming out party for me. Um, obviously, we had a really good team, but for me, it was kind of a big step. I hadn't been, I mean, obviously growing up in a smaller city, you were kind of one of the best players, but for the last however many years, it was kind of me always fighting for jobs and kind of, kind of trying to make a name for myself. And that year, I feel like I kind of did that as far as points, but also as far as consistency and, and playing well on both sides of the puck. I think I took a big step in my personal game that year. Um, It's always nice to get rewarded points-wise and kind of with those all-star teams and all that because I had never really been seen in that that sense, being undrafted and things like that. I mean, I don't know how many guys on those all-star teams I was with were first-rounders or whatnot or things like that. So it's nice to get those earnings or whatever you want to call it, awards. But I think for me, it was a big, big step in my career and kind of 
gave me a lot of confidence moving forward for sure. What was it like to play alongside names such as Eponemi Godin, Steenbergen, and also Debrusk before his move to Red Deer? Because mm-hmm. they basically did what they wanted offensively, at least during the last year there. Yeah. My last year, like I said, the, that line, they were kind of titled the best line in the CHL that year. Like they could kind of beat you anyway. Our captain, Gods, he was, he could kind of do it all. One face off, played hard, score goals, make plays. Um, one of the best leaders I've had in the game so far. Just a guy who could kind of do it all. And then Hepaniemi doing his thing, finding Steiner in open spaces and Steiner could kind of put the puck where he wanted to. So three very different players, but gelled really well. Um, I think that in the Memorial Cup, Godin was really banged up. Steenbergen was hurt. So it kind of, they were a big part of our team. And those guys going down, it was it was definitely tough for us. And DeBrusque still kind of keep in touch this day. He's from Edmonton, obviously. So skate with him in the summers. He's a, he's a, he's a funny guy. And the talent he has is, is insane. His touch around the net and his shot, his release is wicked. So he's off to a really hot start this year already. Yeah. Hopefully he can keep it going. And like I said, he's, he's, he's got a ton of talent. So. But no, playing with those guys is, was really cool, um, kind of to see them come up and where they are now. I also heard that you are pretty good friends with Stuart Skinner. Is mm. that correct? Yeah, yeah. So did you see his upside back then already, or did it surprise you since you had pretty decent goalies overall in Swift Current back in those days? I would say over the past year, it hasn't surprised me. But looking back at it, I didn't think he would be the goalie. Like, I thought there was a chance, but as far as goalies, it it usually just takes so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was always so good when he was young. He was one of the biggest kids. And then in the Western League, he was really, really good. But just the NHL is a different level. He improved so much, I would say, over the last two or three years um, with his overall game. And shooting on him this summer, I knew he was ready. He, it was it was amazing how good he was. So um, I'm not surprised with how he started out this year. Um, obviously getting a win last night in St. Louis, 37 saves or something like that. So. He's got all the tools to be a grade-A goaltender, and he's already got a wife and a kid on the way in January, so his life is uh, is right where he needs to be. So playing the NHL, kid on the way, that's it's amazing. So I'm pretty happy for him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his as well, and hopefully he will take the starting job in Edmonton at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. He's under, I think he has one year left on his deal. So in a, in a perfect world, hopefully he puts the Oilers in a tough spot with uh, Campbell, signed for five years now. but. Um, Never hurts to have good competition with your goalies, so. Never. Well, then you decided to make your jump to professional ice and sign with the Binghamton Devils in the AHL. But since you weren't drafted by them, how did that whole thing come about and how did you manage the new scenery? So I was 17, just maybe just turned 18 years old. Yeah, I think I was 18 after my first um, Western League year. Like I said earlier on, it was it was kind of a tough year with, like sparingly had minutes here and there, would play a lot some nights, but other games would play really low minutes. So it was kind of a tough year for me, but then got the honor to um, go to the rookie tournament for the Devils, which was also my only option, kind of just like Swift Current back in the day. So um, obviously you're going to take it when the NHL team knocks on your door. Went to Buffalo for the rookie tournament, played really well, kind of worked my way up onto the power play by by the last game of the tournament. I think it was a three-game tournament. So had a really good showing there. And then after that, um, usually invites or whatnot kind of get sent back uh, before main camp and go back to their junior teams. But they um, offered me to come to main camp. I was the only non, I guess, player in the organization at the time, the only free agent. So 
was pretty nervous going in. Obviously, I'd made a couple of buddies at rookie tournaments, but anyways, kind of did main camp, uh, real eye-opening experience. It was a kind of something I never experienced before, how hard it was and how grueling the days were, but played well enough to get into a NHL preseason game, played Philadelphia, played pretty well for the most part. And then after that, a couple of days later, they said, we're going to offer you an NHL contract. So signed a three-year entry-level contract with uh, the Devils and then went back to junior um, and started my second season there. So it was a pretty quick turnaround from playing midget hockey in Edmonton a year before signing my NHL contract or a year and a half. So things happened pretty fast, but um, it was a really cool experience and can't thank them enough for kind of giving me the opportunity to try being an NHLer. Who were the big names in the locker room? That's when Taylor Hall had just got traded there, actually. So that was kind of the biggest buzz around the team, or at least I'm pretty sure that was the first year, maybe the second year, but he was probably the biggest name. And coming from the Oilers, obviously, it was, or coming from Edmonton um, and him being an Oiler, it was a pretty cool for me. Got to know him a little bit kind of over my years there, just with having lunches and stuff. Once I got to meet him in New Jersey, he was he was amazing. Would sit down with the young guys at, at meals and stuff like that and, and talk to us like like we were playing in the NHL. So I would say he was one of the biggest names. You also spent a lot of time in the coast during the next three years. So what kind of experience was that and how much different the game was in comparison to, for example, the AHL? Yeah, so my first year pro, I was up pretty well the whole season. Um, only played 36 games or something like that. Kind of in the lineup the whole year. Ended up going down for playoffs. That season, I had to play a minimum of nine games to be eligible for playoffs. So did that, played my nine games, played in the playoffs, ended up losing the first round. But um, kind of an eye-opener for me where obviously it's not the spot you want to be, especially playing on an entry level, um, things like that. But kind of the year after that, I had spent most of my time in the coast that year, played in maybe 40 games, something like that. So I got a good understanding of what it was all about. and. I had a really fun time down there. Um, obviously, like I said, it's not where you want to be, but I played a ton. Had some really good buddies down there within the organization or whatnot. Obviously, it was some tough times because you want to be in the American League and close to the NHL as you can. But for me, I think I developed a lot as a player down there, being able to play a lot more and things like that. Obviously, I thought I had a chance that I could be in the NHL at that time. At least that's what you want to think. But... Um, I would say the East Coast, it's it's a lot like junior in the sense of it's a little more laid back and a really good group of guys down there, and, and I really enjoyed it. So um, it was tough with being sent up, sent down as many times as I did, uh, but I think that's all kind of my journey, and I learned a lot from that time, and I think it's made me a better player today, I would say. So. Yeah, well, the next question would have been that it was it tough to juggle between the two leagues, but you pretty much answered that already. Do you have anything to add? Um, I don't know. I think it's a part where you can't really prepare for. Obviously, when you're a young kid and if you make it to the pro level, you're obviously a pretty good player. So you were a pretty good player on your team before. So it's kind of a, a wake-up call in a sense or a, it's a big adjustment going from an everyday guy and being relied on to maybe not playing for a week or two weeks or playing one game and then sitting two or kind of just the ups and downs of all that. It's not something you can prepare for until you're in it. I would say I handled it pretty well for the most part. I probably could have done more in the sense of kind of making their lives harder to maybe keep me in the lineup. But I don't know. At the end of the day, it's um, like I said, I've learned a lot from it. And 
when you're in the moment, you think you should be playing every night, no matter what. So that's just part of the competitiveness. For sure. You also spent the 2020-2021 season with the Everglades. So what was it like to play in Florida? It was a blast. Um, I always kind of say it was like playing hockey, but you're on vacation. Uh, being able to go to practice and come home and sit by the pool, uh, especially for me playing in Swift Current and then New York where it was snowy, cold. Um, I had never kind of experienced anything like that. It was kind of a weird situation how I even ended up there. COVID kind of helped out in that sense. The East Coast was cut in half, so there was only 14 teams that played. And um, the team that was affiliated with New Jersey's farm team didn't have a team that year. So essentially, I kind of wanted to play some games and kind of asked to leave the AHL team. And they sent me to Florida. So kind of went down there and, and really enjoyed my time and had a lot of discussions with my agent of if it was time to go to Europe or not, or if I wanted to stay here, I could sign a, another deal with New Jersey's AHL team. They wanted me back, I think, but um, other teams were interested. But for me, I think I was ready to go over and start kind of a new journey in Europe and kind of test those waters. So for me in Florida, it was kind of just earning a contract for next year. And Peter Hoffman kind of came calling pretty early, which was nice. Um, and then kind of just was trying to prepare down there for, for Europe and things like that. But like I said, playing hockey in Florida is uh, something everybody should experience. It's, it's pretty fun. Did you wear flip-flops or sneakers more often yeah I, i didn't wear shoes ever <laughs> only only when i wore a suit is when i wore shoes i would say now looking back at it are there any regrets when it comes to jumping to professional scenery even though you would have had one more year of eligibility in the chl um at times yeah i think i think to a degree i wasn't ready um looking back at it but Also on the flip side, if I went back for my 20-year-old year in junior, I might have got bad habits. It's hard to know. So I think when I, at the time I wanted to go pro, obviously everyone wants to go pro. I think it could have worked out really well if I just would have got a couple more games here and there, kind of was given a little bit more of an opportunity to kind of develop my game and earn a spot. But I could have went back and played my 20-year-old year and and had a really good coach or something. and came in that much more ready or just one year more experience and things would have been different. But at the end of the day, how do you know? I think I could still be in the same position I am right now. So oh, no regrets. Not really, no. Um I think like I said, I could be in the same position, but I think I'm happy with the things that I did back home and I don't know, it's it's easy to say the what ifs and things like that. But um at the end of the day I, I think I did what I could for the most part. Yeah, and those are overrated overall. So <laughs> now, though, you've moved away from the smaller ice surface, and I would like to know if there's something that you miss from the North American playstyle, or do you feel like the European style suits you? More? Um, I don't think I miss anything really. I think exactly like you said. I think the big ice suits me a little better. Just that little extra half second um, can kind of skate with the puck a little more. I guess maybe offensively, the only thing is like how. When you get the puck, even like from the blue line, it's just kind of better chances to score. Maybe you're not as far away from the net. Just kind of every time you kind of got the puck on the blue line, if you had a lane, you just kind of tried to get it on net. So maybe that's kind of what I miss about North America. Kind of just shooting from the point where here you kind of got to keep more possession. But um, I think over here suits my game a little better. And last year you made the jump to Sweden and played for Vita Hesten in the Allsvenskan. How did that move materialize and what were the initial thoughts about moving to Europe? 
like I said, kind of as kind of when I was in Florida, Tucker was my agent um, deciding on if we wanted to go to Europe or not. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I wanted to go. He thought it was the right time. So kind of did some digging around. My kind of plan was to maybe hopefully get to the SHL one day. So, um, you know, Svenskin was the best for scouting and for second leagues and things like that. I had some interest from other first leagues kind of were lower on the, the totem pole, so to speak. But the you Osvenskin, know, at the end of the day, my agent thought was the best spot for me to be scouted and kind of to further my career in Europe. Kind of knew what I was getting into with Vita Hoston. Was hoping on playing a lot, getting a lot of minutes, power play, penalty kill, things like that. So um, it was everything that I thought it was going to be, which doesn't always happen. Um, and it, it, it was really good. Well, the next Western was going to be that. Did you have any expectations and or were you just excited about the new opportunity, but pretty much covers it as well. Mm -hmm. How was the first year abroad? Did it take time to get used to different play style or was it smooth sailing right from the um, get-go? Yeah, I think, I think it took a little time. I think we played like eight preseason games over there. And I would say it took me all eight, maybe even a couple of regular season games to kind of get the feel of the European style and kind of puck possession and things like that. Um, I had a slower start points-wise. I think I had like two or three points in my first like 14 games. So started off pretty slow, but then obviously with my finish, it was it was pretty good. So right league for me and thank my agent for kind of getting me that job and had tons of opportunity there. And thank you to Austin for giving me that opportunity at the end of the day to play so much and produce and kind of just play. What were the biggest differences you noticed during the first year style-wise training or play style? Um, I think just with back home, you kind of use the, the dots and the neutral zone as a guide, like for playing rushes and things like that, where over here, the dots are, oh, in Sweden especially, with the Olympic size ice, the dots are so far away from the boards, you can't really use them as a guide anymore. And just kind of trying to give guys too much space, but also... I guess I would be defending uh, just with the space and it kind of suits me a little better because you don't have to be as aggressive, but um, it's definitely more skating and things like that. But I would say the biggest difference is just the ice size and um, kind of getting used to angles and uh, when to go and when not to go and stuff like that. Anything training wise? Yeah, I would say like it's back home is, is leaning or is getting away from heavy weights and things like that. It's a lot more functional movements where in Sweden, I kind of found it was put weight on a bar and squat it or put weight on a bar and do this. Or it's a lot less, I guess, functional or technical, like non-weight movements where hockey back home is kind of going in that direction with bands and lightweight with speed and things like that, where here was kind of just lift weights and, and maybe a little old school in a sense with what they used to do back home. But I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do it, probably. It was just different from what I was used to in the summer training or things like that. Well, that's a good segue to the next topic. So I would also like to quickly touch upon the off-season training aspect. Since what I've learned and what you've said is that it's fairly different between the North America and Europe. So what does your off-season consist of? More on-ice training or...? I would say more in the gym than on the ice. Kind of take maybe a month away from from skating or whatnot. But I'm in the gym five times a week, uh, take Saturday, Sunday off. For us, it's a lot more of you kind of come home and you have segments throughout the summer. So your first segment, it might be a month long or whatever, is all like functional movements, like I said, and kind of getting your body back to 
100%, so to speak, from the injuries of the year, kind of the wear and tear and all that. So it's a little lighter load, but um, a lot more kind of stabilizing and stuff like that. Then you kind of just transfer through your segments throughout the summer and essentially go through strength, and then you finish with speed before you go to training camp, where here they kind of do their, you go home for a month, come back and train with the team, or you skate, work out twice a day or whatever it is. So the fact that you're not with the team is, is a big difference. Uh, but for me, I like to do a lot of goalie shooting. That's kind of where I get my ice time. I have some good buddies who I can shoot on, like Carter Hart, Tristan Jari, who I work out with in the summer. So it's obviously a good opportunity for me to kind of shoot lots of pucks and um, hopefully score more, a couple more goals every season. But yeah, I'd say it's just different compared to here where they kind of do the longer days and you work out for train for a month and then go home for a month type thing. Name dropping, not a big deal. Would you <laughs> consider training for the entire summer here in Europe or is that a no-go? As of right now, I would say no. I think it's a big thing for me now to be home with my family and kind of get away. And I think as an import, it's kind of one of the perks in a sense that you can yeah. go home and kind of do your own thing. And as long as you're somebody who's in shape, they, they, they can trust you. So I'm glad that I'm able to. I mean, I, I would understand if one day they, they wanted you to. Um, I would always try to go home for sure, though, I think. Well, after your first year abroad, you probably jumped out to many professional scouting reports. So what eventually made you choose Liga? And did you reach out to anyone to get some insight? Or, um, Yeah, I think, obviously, with what happened in the world, uh, with, with the stuff in Russia and things like that, it, it, it kind of had an effect on everything. But in hockey... I think those imports who were playing in Russia, whether they're from Finland, Sweden, um, Canada, U.S., wherever it was, um, a lot of players wanted to get out of there. And I think that took a lot of jobs away from guys who are maybe going to move up or whatnot. So for me, um, I had some offers in the Elsvenskan to go to other teams or or whatnot. But Kelpa kind of came calling a little later, I guess pretty early on in a sense. They said they were interested. So we kind of went back and forth with them for a week or so. And then at the end of the day, having the chance to move up a league and kind of be get that chance to play against better players was obviously something I was excited about. And obviously them showing a lot of interest uh, was big also. I think too, with the plus one as an option with what's going on with, like I said, there's not many hockey jobs out there right now. So um, to have that in my contract uh, meant a lot and then to show interest that they might want me back also. So at the end of the day, it made the most sense to move up a league and have a good opportunity here and, and so far I think it's worked out pretty well. Well hopefully we get to keep you. Now you've probably settled so how have you liked it so far? Team and City wide. Yeah it's been it's been awesome. Um like I kind of said the getting to know the city a little better as we go. But as far as I've played in a lot of small towns so I know it's not a small town so to speak but great hockey town. Uh the fans have been amazing so far like the turnout It has been really, really good. So obviously when you're winning, people want to watch. So hopefully we can keep doing that. Organizations top-notch. They treat us really, really well. So yeah, no no complaints so far. Do you have any expectations for the season, team-wise and personal? I think as a team, I think we had a really good preseason. So I, I kind of got my hopes pretty high. Um, I know obviously it's not a good tell, but when you're playing against some of the better teams, like we played Carpat, out, Elavis, all that. So I think we did pretty well against them. We had some injuries early on, but um, I think as of today, I think we can be a, I think we need to set our goal on top six and kind of that first round by maybe or kind of getting into the first round without playing 
the plan or whatnot, I think is a good goal for us. Um, obviously, there's a lot of good teams this year, but um, as of how we started out, I see no reason why we can't be top six if we if we stay on this path. And then for me, I think obviously just trying to earn my stripes in this league. I think I've had some a decent production so far. I think I've really started to find my game the last four games here. May not have the points to show for it over those last four games, but I'm creating a lot and playing really well. I think coaches seem to be happy. So for me, hopefully be able to put up some points. Obviously, every player wants to do that. They want to create. They want to score goals, stuff like that. So hopefully I can continue to create. And I think I know it's a very tough lead to get points in. But uh, I think if I play my game and things like that, and especially if we make top six, I think those kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, without a doubt. Who are the biggest characters in your locker room? You say for sure. And then um, for all the listeners. And then, uh, all Yeah, yeah, sorry. And then Oval, Oliver Kapanen, he's uh, hilarious. We sit beside each other in the room, and he's a little kid, so he keeps me young, and, and we, we go back and forth a lot. So um, I'm sure a lot of guys look at us like we're crazy when we're telling each other jokes and stuff like that. But um, we're uh, we're having a blast together, and you say and I are a lot alike too. So um, maybe I'm one of the characters too. I don't know. Maybe that's another guy to say. But uh, those are two really good guys. How about your finish? Has it improved? Uh, terrible. No, zero. My finish is zero. I maybe know five words, but um, don't ask me to say them because I'll probably mess them up. Well, I'm going to give you a passing grade, so no worries on that. <laughs> And related to the previous question, do you like to set yourself goals before the season or do you feel like those some way create more pressure on yourself? Um. I kind of used to when I was a couple of years ago, I'd write them down. I would say now I don't write them down anymore, but I kind of have ideas in my head of what I think I can do. Like coming to Sweden last year, for example, I kind of had in my head to get 30 points. If I got 30 points, I thought it would be a very productive year, kind of just looking at past defensemen and kind of what they did. Obviously, I was lucky enough to do to do better than that. Um, there was times at the start where I thought I wasn't going to get 30, obviously, but at the end of the day, it, it, it worked out really well. I think coming to Finland, I kind of up the stakes a little bit, maybe. I kind of have an idea, like, if I can get 30 points, then I can, I think it was a really productive season. It might be a stretch, but at the end of the day, I think I think I can honestly do that if I get the, the ice time and the opportunity, and we and we do really well. So hopefully I can do that. What about long-term goals? Would you still want to return to North America, or could you see yourself playing in Europe for the rest of your career? I think off the top of my head, I could I could for sure see myself staying here for the rest of my career. Um, I would be totally okay with that. Obviously, if things go really, really well, maybe there's an NHL team who would be interested. But um, as of right now, I would say I've kind of I'm at peace with, or I I'm fully expecting to just play my European career here, whether it's um, staying in Finland for X amount of years, or kind of going back to Sweden or Switzerland or going abroad or whatnot. So kind of just trying to move myself up throughout the leagues in Europe and make some money and um, hopefully see some places. And, and so far, it's been unreal. So, so open in it. Yeah, I think so for the most part. But uh, totally okay with finishing out in Europe. for Just for me, hopefully I can play for as long as I can. Well, in order to find that path, health is one thing that can't be underestimated. So on that front, have you had any major injuries or is the notorious man cold the only reason for a doctor's appointment? <laughs> Um, I've only really had one, I guess it's a major injury, 
but it didn't really actually take that long. I was only out for three weeks. Um, I herniated a disc in my back. Uh, my second year of pro ended up missing some time. So it's kind of still lingering, kind of obviously a herniated disc never really goes away, kind of comes and goes. Some days are better than others, but for the most part, it's pretty pain-free now. So lucky that I got out with, with no surgery needed and kind of could rehab and things like that. So besides the tight hips and things like that, uh, I'm, I'm just fine. Well, it's good to hear that you haven't had too many major injuries. And I'm knocking on wood for you as well, so that it would stay that way. What about mentally? Can you recall a moment which has stuck with you that was mm -hmm. draining to you mentally, aka yeah. like the toughest time? Yeah, I think uh, kind of like I touched on before is my first couple years pro. Kind of a big wake-up call from being the guy, kind of everyday player, relied on to uh, in another lineup um, and fighting for a spot every day, fighting for a spot in practice. and kind of feeling like every day's a tryout, things like that. Like you're not really enjoying, like you're enjoying the game, but it's it's more of a grind. So I would say that was kind of the toughest point in my career so far, getting called up, getting sent down, not knowing when that could happen. So I think the first year I was kind of a little more on eggshells and the second year I kind of relaxed and kind of just accepted that as long as I take care of what I need to do, it's kind of out of my hands then. So played really well on the coast my second year and Just the team was really good in the American League that year, and I just didn't get a chance. So that's part of the part of it. Um, a lot of it's about timing and just my timing with how I started out pro and things with New Jersey. It just didn't didn't click for whatever reasons. But I would say that was definitely some tough times for me. And looking back at it, it's, I, I definitely learned a lot from it. But at the time, you're more just frustrated and things like that. Total sense. Have you done like any work with psychologist or anything that kind? Um, no, um, I've kind of been approached by, we had a guy kind of my last year pro, or sorry, not my last year pro, my last year of junior and swift current that kind of worked for the team. He kind of tried to get me to come on with him a couple of times, um, just see him in the summers, kind of run into him. But for me, I think I handle it pretty well. The highs and lows, things like that. Um, I don't know, sometimes talking about it makes it worse, but I would say for me, it, my parents are pretty involved in my career and I can kind of go to them with things I need to or close family, things like that. So I would say maybe that's more my therapy side is I can kind of vent to them and they can vent to me. And that's, I guess, how who I use more than anything. And my friends, um, guys from even from here now, like if things are tough or, or whatnot for them or for me, um, kind of you can talk to things with them. I'd rather not, I guess my view on it is I don't want to pay somebody who I can talk to when I can talk to my parents or talk to my buddies or whatnot. So. I think I handle things pretty well for the most part. Yeah, totally understandable. Who have been the most impactful people on your career? You already mentioned your family and friends, but any other names that you would like to shout out at? Um, I don't know. I think for sure my parents, they've done so much for me as far as life and as far as hockey and things like that. Um, as far as people in the game, I think maybe just going in order is, One of my good buddies from Lacombe, I'd say his dad coached us when we were really young, coached us for three or four years, maybe. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but he kind of, I guess, taught me a lot of the things that I still use to this day, for sure. So I can thank him, that my D coach and Swift Current, Jamie Hewart, he now coaches in Henderson. He was really good for me. I mean, there was times where I hated the guy for sure, and there's times where I know he hated me. But I think that's kind of where you solve problems. And um, looking back at it, he did a lot for me. 
so I can thank him a lot. As far as pro, I don't know if anyone really jumps out yet, but I think they all kind of had a factor in who I am today for sure as a player. But I would say kind of my D coach in Swift is maybe the first guy that pops to mind. You have a lot of fuck you matches back in the day. No, not really. Like I probably gave him some attitude that he didn't want for sure, but I would never be like a yelling match or things like that. It's probably just more body language for me, um, frustration, things like that. So I'm sure we would laugh about it today. All men collect. But then as the last hockey-related questions, I would like to know how big of an NHL fan are you and what is your official prediction, Stanley Cup-wise, for the ongoing season? Who do you see hoisting the cup at the end of the postseason? I would say, I I like these guys last year too, and I still think they're good, is the Carolina Hurricanes. I, just, I don't know why I want them to win, but I do. I think maybe Rod Brandamore. But um, I'm a big Oilers fan, so I would obviously love to see the Oilers. Uh, my mom would beg to differ. But um, me and my dad would prefer the Oilers, I would say. But team I think might win it is Carolina. Or I guess I hope in a sense too. But I follow the NHL a little bit. Um, it's pretty tough in Europe to watch games and things like that. But uh, I like to watch the highlights in the morning and kind of more more like to follow my buddies now, guys in the NHL, try to catch their games or their highlights or follow their stat lines more than anything, more than standings and things like that. It's more watching as a as a fan of them. Who would you shout out? Um, you kind of mentioned Skinner. Uh, it kind of sounds like goalies for the most part. Skinner, Hart, Jari. But then I got Sam Steele in, uh, in uh, Minnesota. Uh, Lane Peterson, who's kind of been bouncing around a little bit with, he's now in Carolina's organization, but I mean, a couple guys here and there, but those are, I guess, probably the, the, the bigger ones. Are the Oilers the team that you follow the most since being from that city? Plus, of course, the Devils organization, but are there any other teams that you follow closely? The Oilers for the most part, I, I think it's just, I mean, it's easy to do. I'm drawn to it. I kind of know every score, things like that, and, and they're pretty exciting to watch. Um, I think follow the Leafs, too, like everyone. The Leafs are exciting to watch, and obviously what's going on there is isn't funny, but it's funny. So it's, they're fun to watch, and it's easy to follow. Um, and as far as New Jersey, I think I still follow them because obviously the relation and still have buddies on the team and things like that, but it's it, it's a love-hate and it, it also as in the, in the same sentence. But then we head away from the icy surface before we move to the last part of this interview. So are there any other leisure activities that fit in your calendar during or before the season? Uh, big golfer. Summers, it mostly consists of golfing four times a week or five if I can. Uh, I, I love it. Um, I've kind of only picked it up the last four years, I would say. So I'm down to around a five, six, seven handicap now. So I've um, gotten decently good. But still, definitely, uh, it's a love-hate with that sport. But I like playing with my buddies and being outside and things like that. So I think golf is for sure the number one hobby. Are you on your best behind a driver or are you a smooth operator with the flat stick? Uh, I would say short game is better than my long game. But I don't know. It depends on who shows up that day. <laughs> Do you watch any other sports besides hockey or are you more of a movie-slash-series guy? I would say I follow other sports, but I don't sit down and watch them. Uh, like right now, if I was back home, I'd be watching the Major League Baseball playoffs. I like to watch that, but like, like I said here, it's really tough. Uh, NFL, follow that, play fantasy, things like that. So I'd say I'm into it, but I also don't sit down and watch it. 
unless I'm back home and it's easier. Like I'll usually catch the Sunday night game here, but um, like I said, it's tough. I'm saying I'm more of a TV series movie guy. So, oh, here and there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, that pretty much wraps up the main part of the interview. And then we will head to the last segment of this episode the fan favorites, the snapshots, and the trifecta. First on the board are the snapshots. So I'm going to ask you 12 so-called rapid-fire questions related to anything and everything along the lines of your favorite day of the week and so forth. You're going to be on the clock here, so we are going to need quick answers. So is that clear? And most of all, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, let's go. First one. Your favorite junior member? Uh, winning the WHL. Where this pre-game routine, you or your teammate? Oh, man. Uh, maybe my tape job. It's not really a routine, but I, I have a weird tape job. Tape-to-tape saucer or a breakaway pass from behind your own net? Breakaway pass. Your idol growing up? Um, my parents. Place you would want to travel? Um, Hawaii. A hook or a slice? Uh, slice. Celebration you promised to do this year. And basic hands in the air won't cut it, bud. Uh, usually, um, stick holster. Your occupation if you didn't play hockey? Oh, family company. Favorite road city you've played in? Cleveland. Guilty pleasure food? Pizza. Your go-to chirp. Speak English over here. <clears throat> and the last one, celebrity crush. Uh, Jennifer Aniston. That wraps up the snapshots. Then the last section of this interview, the trifecta. There are three different scenarios, and you need to select three of your former or present teammates to be your partner in each category. And you can only use one for each show. Choose wisely. The scenarios are first one, two week hiking trip to Norwegian mountain range. Second, road trip across the States by car. And the last one, your travel guide to Bangkok. Uh, The hike would be Steenbergen. For what reason? I just think we would have a good time. Uh, he's into hiking. Makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And the other two guys I want to pick will be better for the other one. Um, for the drive across the U.S., I'd pick Oval, uh, Oliver Kapanen. He'd be entertaining. He would never stop talking, so it would be easy. Which one would drive? Me, for sure. For sure. And then to Bangkok, it would be you, say, for sure. No brainer. <laughs> he, would, he would be able to show me a good time, I, I, I think. I've seen it, yeah. so I can confirm that. all right that pretty much wraps it up thank you so much colby for coming on and i wish you the best for the rest of the season do you have any last words before we wrap up this interview not much no thanks for uh thanks for having me on Uh, that was a blast hopefully uh the finnish fans or or whatnot or wherever you guys are it uh, can learn a bit more about my i guess personal side and um, kind of see the kind of person i am so hopefully you guys enjoyed it um it, it was really fun so thanks for having me on it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And we will be waiting for that celebration you promised to provide us. 
Thank you, Colby, once again for joining the show and more than anything for sharing your story. It was great to get some insight into the CHL and how they operate in the true north. And hopefully, once he's done with his suspension, we get to see him reach that 30-point mark because he's a vital piece on Kalpa's blue line. But that's that for the interview. Only thing left for this episode are the trophy predictions which I promised in the previous episode. So let's just jump straight to them before we wrap up the show for this week. We will start from behind the bench with the Jack Adams award and last year Daryl Sutter was the one to claim that trophy but this year I believe that Bruce Cassidy will take home the trophy as he guides the Golden Knights to another postseason appearance. Jim Montgomery and Mike Sullivan would be the other obvious choices but since they are somewhat boring I'm going to say that my wild cards are going to be Martin St. Louis and Derek Lalonde with their young rosters. Next we move to the blue paint where we have the William M. Jennings and Vesna trophies. Anderson Ranta claimed home to Jennings last year and I believe that they should be near the top again this year but just so that we can have some change I'm going to say that the Islanders Russian tandem of Varlamov and Sorokin will take home the trophy this year. And that pretty much also works as a segue for the Vesna since, like I said during their season previews, I really believe that Sorokin will claim his spot amongst the elite netminders of this league this season and become the next Russian netminder who claims the trophy, so he's going to be my pick for this year. Other names in the top three are going to be Jake Ottinger and last year's winner Igor Sesjerkin. Then we moved to Selke Trophy, which was awarded to Patrice Bergeron this summer, and it would be absolutely idiotic to not name him again this year, since after all, the trophy almost lives inside his cabinet, but just so that we can have another name in the mix as well, I'm going to go back to my last year's nomination and say that Mark Stone will finally earn his credits this year and win the trophy now that he's in full health and is able to showcase his elite defensive game. I'm going to throw in Mika Zibanejad's name in addition to Anthony Cirelli, who will finally make his season debut in the next coming weeks. My Calder nomination for this year goes to Matthew Beniers, which shouldn't surprise anyone, and the two other names in the top three are going to be Logan Thompson and Winnipeg's Cole Perfetti. Art Ross is pretty much sealed already, Mac Jesus has that already in his chest pocket, but the two other names at the top of the scoring table in my papers are going to be Leon Dreisaitl and Nikita Kucherov. Pasternak and Marchand will be challenging that trio, but that's pretty much the bunch I'm going to go with. When it comes to Rocket Richard Trophy, my nomination will surprise some people, but as I mentioned in the season preview, I really do believe that McDavid this year will just basically cheer up the league point-wise, so I'm also anticipating him to take home the Richard Trophy. He is on a mission now and I think no one can stop him during the regular season. Well, in fact, injuries might, but no one who's wearing skates, that's for sure. The other contenders are going to be Steven Stamkus and Austin Matthews, and as a wild card, I'm going to throw in St. Pinto's name since I already bumped his stars in the season preview and he's off to a hot start, so hopefully he's able to keep up his momentum. Norris will go to McCarcus. There's absolutely no one like him, while Adam Fox and Shay Theodore will be the runners-up for the trophy. 
Then the last individual trophy, the Hart Trophy, will go to McDavid. And the other names in the top three will be Jake Ottinger and Mark Stone. Team-wise, Carolina will be the number one team after the regular season and will claim the President's Trophy curse for the playoffs. While the Rangers and the Oilers will follow them to the top three. And when it comes to Stanley Cup prediction, as I mentioned in the previous episode, the top four for me currently is the Avs and the Oilers from the West. And the Rangers alongside Penguins will represent the East. But when it comes to hoisting the Stanley Cup, the Rangers will have it in the bag. No cap. The easy answer would have been the Avs to repeat, but I didn't want to be that boring, so the Rangers will be my pick for this year. They will face the Avs in the finals, so pick whichever you want to go with. Chesterkin will win the Smythe, and the Stanley Cup will remain in the United States. It's going to be tough though, and they still need to make few adjustments to their roster before that goal is achievable, but in the big picture, I really like their roster where they have youth, experience, and terrific mix of shutdown power as well as scoring prowess. So those are reasons why I believe in their success. And they also have few pretty mean players in the bottom six, so that will also boost their chances in the postseason. But let me know your thoughts about these predictions and tell me yours while you are at it. That pretty much wraps up this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed and remember to go check out the social media pages which can be found in the episode description. Also, be so kind and go press the follow button on the app you are using and share the episode with your buddies. Because with more listeners, I'll be able to attract more guests to this show and I want to bring the entertainment for you each week so that will help the podcast more than you truly believe. Thank you already in advance. I really appreciate your support. But that's going to be it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week, you beauty. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.